Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon. This is your host, Anthony Chen, with Family Business Radio. We have a couple of great guests today. So our first guest today, I would like to welcome Michelle Coyne with Coyne Pest Control. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Hey, Anthony. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. And yourself? I'm well. Looking forward to the show. Great, great. So kind of share with us a little story as to how did uh, Coyne Pest Control come to being? What, what, what uh, motivated you guys to create your pest control business? Sure. Well... I'll tell you, it was kind of a dream of my husband's for a long time. So Chris and I are co-owners in the business. And I actually uh, uh, came from the nursing home world. So I managed nursing homes for 25 years. And when I got married to Chris uh, 14 years ago, he was working in the pest control industry and um, really, really enjoyed it and uh, worked for some of the bigger companies and uh, really uh, learned a lot while working for them. Um, but he always felt like it was possible maybe to um, to maybe spend a little more time with the customers, uh, treat them uh, a little uh, better. Um, and not only customers, but employees, because a lot of times in the pest control world, uh, employees are pushed um, to do a lot of stops in a day and, you know, get it all done and, you know, still have happy customers. And sometimes that's difficult. And the other thing that I think the reason why Chris loves this industry is he is a problem solver and he loves puzzles. So when he's not doing pest control, you'll see him, um, doing crosswords and, Sudoku and, you know, using his brain in all these ways, as well as putting together puzzles, um, jigsaw puzzles. He loves doing that. And so it's just sort of in him to uh, look at a situation and try to figure out how to solve it. And that's a lot of what pest control is. You're doing an inspection. You're trying to figure out how the insects got into the house and how to prevent them from not getting in again. And so with all of that um, and uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to start. He started small by himself and um, just by word of mouth, mostly grew. And as he kept growing and we finally added a technician, um, then, you know, we kind of started getting bigger than what he, he couldn't do the technician and the, the office work. And so I ended up um, joining him and uh, now it's a family business. And, and uh, with my background in, in, caring about people and his background in solving problems. We sort of make, you know, a great partnership. And um, we've been really fortunate to be in business since 2010 and um, going stronger than ever. So uh, we're excited and, and it's been a great journey for us. So kind of take us, what's it like uh, experiencing, uh, let's say for example, if your husband came over and began inspecting the place, what is that experience like for the customer? What does that uh, what's the experience like uh, for the for customer, the customer. Or someone that's just um, engaging with you guys for the first time? Sure, sure. So generally speaking, um, 
usually people call with some sort of issue. They think they have some sort of issue. So they're either calling saying, you know, I've got this bug or that bug, or I'm afraid I have this infestation or that infestation, like termites or rats or mice or something like that, bed bugs, things like that. So um, usually, um, you know, we can get some information from them over the phone and then we're sending a technician out. And, the, you know, the first thing they're going to do is inspect. They're going to listen to the customer, hear what their concerns are, why they think they have what they have. And then um, and then they're going to start uh, on the inside and outside of the home and uh, inspect and see what they come up with and uh, see sometimes the customer's right on, ding, ding, you knew exactly what your problem was. And other times the customer, um, you know, was fearful of something that wasn't so. And so we're able to relieve their, you know, their, their mind on that and uh, take care of the issue sometimes much easier than they were, they were worried about. So um, it's really hearing, you know, what, what the customer has going on and, and then, looking, you know, based on the experience, our experience of, of what that might be and um, find, usually finding some evidence and, and sometimes identification and sometimes, you know, the, the occasional invader in the house, we don't know every single insect out there. So we'll utilize the um, University of Georgia's extension office. Um, if we get something unusual uh, that we're not exactly sure what it is or how to treat it and We'll take that to the extension office. They'll identify it for us and, and then we can appropriately treat it. So pest control is really about identifying first what the issue is or the insect and then um, what's the best way to treat it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So kind of in unusual situation where a lot of people are social distancing and working at home a lot more. Um, can you tell us kind of what the top myths are in kind of pests at home? Let's say, for example, uh, mosquitoes being the big one. What right. can a homeowner do to kind of minimize the risk? Right. So mosquitoes are really bad this year. We've had a lot of intermittent rain and then get super hot after it rains. And those are perfect uh, breeding grounds for mosquitoes. So um, we've had a lot of, of uh, people call regarding uh, mosquitoes. And um, there are a lot of things homeowners can do. In fact, um, they're a big partner with us. I mean, we do um, obviously treat, we'll fog yards for mosquitoes and um, that certainly will help. It's, in a, it's not an elimination, it's a redu mosquito reduction, but it really is a partnership with the homeowners. So if homeowners can um, really be cognizant of, of what is in their yard that might be holding water, and really kind of make a round maybe once a week and, and empty that out. Um, it's a big myth that mosquitoes need a lot of water to breed in. They don't. <laughs> um, a bottle cap tipped upside down with water in it can definitely breed a good share of mosquitoes. So it only takes a small amount of water. So if you think about things like um, um, children's toys, if they sit out in the yard for a week and nobody's been out there because it's been rainy and then, you know, it stops raining and gets hot and um, there might be little pockets in those toys that are holding water, kiddie pools, um, you know, all of those should be, if you make a round once a week and dump out all of those things, you will definitely reduce the mosquito population in your yard. So um, potted plants sitting on the back deck, you know, you have a little dish underneath the plant and it's holding 
rainwater that will breed mosquitoes. Um, even things like uh, uh, holes in trees. So if you have kind of an older tree that has a big hole in it, um, that can breed mosquitoes. So there's kind of no way to empty out the water from the tree. So you can do things like um, fill them with sand so that they don't hold water. Uh, or, you know, you can go to your local hardware store and, and buy, uh, they're called like mosquito dunks. And you can drop one of those in um, and that will prevent the mosquitoes from breeding. One of the places that I really see people um, forgetting about is the downspouts. So, you know, we have downspouts, first of all, your, your gutters for sure. So many people, you know, have their gutters clogged up and it stays moist and wet. And of course that's, you know, mosquitoes love that kind of um, spot to breed in. But if you're, even when your gutters are cleaned out and the water's flowing, the downspouts that lay on the ground that kind of move the water away from the house, um, those sometimes aren't slanted downward. <laughs> And they might be flat, more flat, and they will actually hold water inside. And um, that's a perfect breeding ground for mosquitoes, too. So if you um, get uh, educated about those kinds of things in your yard and you take a trip around, you know, once a week and empty all those things out, you'll see you have a lot less mosquitoes in your yard and you can actually enjoy, enjoy your backyard. Well, thank you for sharing. I didn't even know about the whole bottle cap, just having more than enough space for uh, yes. mosquitoes to breed. Uh, yes. Okay, that, that, that puts things in uh, a to-do list from <laughs> there you go. right after. There so, you go. Kind of looking into the next test, a big concern is for people, for homeowners, is termites. I mean, it yes. can really cause a lot of damage. Uh, yes. What's a great way for a homeowner to begin looking for conditions to, to help them mitigate? Yes. Yeah, so, so my husband always says there's two types of homes in Georgia, either those being uh, protected from termites or those that have or will get termites at some point in time. So termites are very prevalent in Georgia and um, they do do millions, millions of dollars worth of damage um, um, a year. And, and beyond the damage, just the headache that they cause homeowners. I mean, if you think about you know, what that would feel like if you tear into a wall and see that the whole beam has been chewed up by uh, mosquitoes or mosquitoes. <laughs> We're talking about mosquitoes chewed up by termites. Um, you know, not only is it kind of scary about the structure of your house, but also just the the pain of having to have contractors come in then and start, you know, rebuilding that and, and making the house structurally sound. So there's a lot of headaches that go along with it, too. So it, it really is wise to um, to prevent termites. But there are just like the mosquitoes. There are things that homeowners can do as well to try to mitigate um, termites infesting their home. So you're looking at things like um, um, wood to ground contact. So a lot of times porch steps or deck posts, things like that are going to be wood that is in direct contact with the ground. So anytime you have that, it's a perfect avenue for termites um, to start into your, you know, in eating that wood and then move into your home. And so you want to uh, put a cement uh, base down between that wood and the ground. Um, the other thing when you're um, looking at purchasing a house, it really does make sense to have a professional come and, and look at it from a termite standpoint. 
Um, sometimes uh, stucco homes are very hard to um, tell if there's termite damage or not, especially if it was not um, built appropriately. A lot of times, even though builders know better, they will put the stucco, run the stucco straight into the ground. And when they do that, there's kind of no, you know, on a, on a house with siding, there's a, a foundation on the bottom of cement. And so you can kind of see the mud tubes that the termites make as they're coming into the house. But when that stucco is going straight into the ground, there's no way to kind of see the beginnings of termites um, or those mud tubes. And so things like that, um, the wood to ground contact, um, making sure I see many. In fact, my husband just this morning called. He did a um, termite installation up and coming and uh, the homeowner had a cord of wood stacked up against the house. Um, that is just ripe conditions for termites. And so he had to um, ask her to to remove that. It really should be, if you're going to store firewood on your property, and a lot of people these days are having fire pits, I know they're the new hot item. And so people are buying wood and keeping it around their house or, or, or getting wood. And you really want it to be about 20 feet or more away from the house, um, because that's going to be conducive to um, termites as well. So any real, um, you know, moisture, termites have to have moisture. In fact, they're very um, fragile. So if they get out into the air and there's no moisture, they'll die. So they're going to try to stay wherever there's moisture. So you want to try to keep moisture in wood, moisture in food. So um, you want to try to keep the, the wet wood um, away from your house and make sure the, the wood to ground contact. Um, um, and also one other thing, when you're bringing wood into your home, such as furniture, maybe antique furniture or used furniture, um, sometimes even brand new furniture, you do want to inspect it um, from the standpoint of, of insect holes and in the wood or whatever, because sometimes people bring termites into their house that way um, with by bringing furniture into their house that's already infested. Hmm. That's a lot to consider for a homeowner <laughs> keeping whether it be mosquitoes or termites out. So, so for a homeowner that's looking to hire a pest control professional, what what is something that they should look into consideration? Why would they look into coin pest control? Well, a couple of things. Um, I think, of course, of course, I'm prejudiced. Um, we own this company and and we feel like we take really good care of our customers. But um, I think that there are um, a lot of pest control is kind of a hot business right now. So there's a lot of bigger businesses buying up small uh, mom and pop type pest control companies. Um, it's been very active, the mergers and acquisitions over the last couple of years. And so sometimes um, um, smaller companies are being bought out by larger companies and they don't change the name of the company. So customers still feel like they're dealing with the same company. In reality, they're dealing with a much larger company. Um, and not that some of the larger companies don't do a great job, they do. Um, but I think that um, sometimes, you know, they start looking more at uh, profits and how to squeeze more money out and how to do more stops and less time and things like that. So for our company, there's a couple of things. One, um, 
I, I think we're really proud of how we take care of our employees. We try to do a really good job to have happy employees because we feel like when our employees are uh, feel valued and taken care of that they're going to go out and do a good job for the customers. And um, for our customers, we believe that the technician has to have time to do a good job for the customer. So if we're expecting them to spend 20 minutes on the property and do an inspection and identification and elimination all in 20 minutes isn't going to happen. So what happens is the inspection and the identification go by the wayside and then we just spray spray a product or, or use a product indiscriminately hoping, you know, crossing our fingers and hoping it's going to do the job. So in our company, we actually um, schedule approximately an hour for each uh, pest control service. So the, the technician actually has the time to um, treat the home pro- appropriately after an inspection and, you know, after speaking with the homeowner. Um, we also, we don't hold anyone to a contract. So that's another thing out there in the pest control world. They like to, some companies like to uh, get a homeowner to sign a year contract and and then, you know, you're kind of stuck because you've already paid that money and whether they're doing a good job or not, you feel like, well, I paid for them for a year. So um, with us, we don't hold anyone to a contract. We're going to, um, if you want to cancel or you're not happy with our service, we're going to cancel with no fees. Um, of course, we're going to try to make sure you're happy before that happens. But, um, and that's another thing we have just an unmatched guarantee where if, if somebody's not happy, we're going to come back and we're going to retreat and uh, do what we need to do to make it right and make them uh, satisfied. Otherwise, they're not going to pay us a dime. So, um, you know, we feel confident that we can uh, uh, have them uh, feel good in the end and have their their problems solved. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think that and, you know, we all know about small businesses, but in reality, a, a small business, you know, you're not you're not calling Mr. Orkin's cell phone number at eight o'clock at night. But if you're one of our customers, you probably have my cell phone. And so if there's ever any issues like that, you know, you're going to be able to reach out and get something resolved quickly um, and not have to go through several, several layers of, of people. Yeah. So as we're kind of heading into the fall season, uh, what is I guess the most common pest issues now and something that they would have to deal with this time of the year. Yeah, usually this time of year, of course, right now through the transition of summer and fall, you're going to see um, ants becoming a problem again. They're going to be on the move. Um, and so we'll get some ants calls. But um, also uh, once we move into fall and it, it cools off, which it's supposed to this week, I don't know, the hurricane's going to keep it nice and uh, moist though, even though it's uh, supposed to be cooler. But um, once it starts to cool off, you start to see things like um, uh, box elder bugs will get calls, you know, and those are, you know, you either have them or you don't. And if you don't have them, you don't even know what I'm talking about. And if you have them, you're like, oh my goodness, they're covering the whole side of my house. (laughs) What am I doing? And they're coming into through the windows now. So like things like box elder bugs, ladybugs, stink bugs, they all kind of have the same behavior. So once it starts to get cold, they are what we call an occasional invader. So they don't intend to be in your house, but you know, they're just looking for a warm spot. So as it gets cooler outside and the sun, whatever side of the house, the sun is hitting, 
Um, you'll see them start to congregate there uh, in the fall. And like I said, sometimes <laughs> they will completely cover um, a wall, a door, um, you know, a whole side of the sunny side of the house. And so that's a little scary when you pull up and you're like, oh my goodness, what is that on the side of my house? Um, but again, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty harmless, although they can, um, they can get inside the house. So if you don't have good seals around your windows and doors and, um, things like that, your door sweeps aren't uh, secure, things like that. They will, you know, as they're hovering on the side of the house for warmth, they'll start squeezing through the cracks. So the best time in the fall really to treat them is um, to have a pest professional come out in the fall and get rid of them before they get into your house. Because once, if they do start getting into the house, they're looking for a place to overwinter. And so they're, you know, going to get in the house and they're going to hang out and go dormant. And sometimes in the middle of the winter when you get a warm sunny day or something you'll see a few of them and they kind of wake up and come around um but then in the spring when they come out of hibernation they're gonna um they're going to start looking to get back outside so you're gonna see a lot of activity in your house so the best way is to get rid of them now but if you do see them in your house a simple vacuum vacuum vacuuming them up and getting rid of the bag is an easy way to take care of them um and then um on the outside, actually, if you have a box elder tree, a uh, male box elder tree, um, they are attracted to that. And so really the best thing is to get rid of your box elder tree. But if you can't do that or aren't willing to do that, you know, there are there are treatments for that. And we can certainly help with that. But um, but yeah, in the fall, you'll start to see things like that. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much information, Michelle. So how best with someone who doesn't want to find unwanted guests in their house, how can they best reach out to you? Sure. Um, so, of course, you can go to our website at www.coinpestcontrol.com um, is one way. You can also uh, call us in the office here at 678-243-9901. And then you can also email me at Michelle with two L's at coinpestcontrol.com and coin is our last name and it's spelled c-o-y-n-e so a little different but any of those ways we you know would be happy to um, answer any questions homeowners might have sometimes they just have a question they need someone they can ask and um and we also would be happy to help you out with any type of um pest termite uh rats and mice mosquito issues that you might be having that you feel like you weren't able to resolve yourself. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Anthony. Well, for our next guest, we have Carolyn with Betty Carey, LLC. Welcome to the show, Betty. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. Thank you for coming on. So what kind of, give us a quick uh, story uh, as to how you, you were inspired to create Betty Carey, LLC. It's a, honestly, it's a, it's a really neat blending of um, my, my passion for firearms, um, my background in the Marine Corps, and also my recent completion of my health and wellness master's degree. Um, I say that because I've always had a passion for shooting and I learned shooting from my dad. Um, and of course he wasn't very well versed in the safety. Obviously nobody, he didn't shoot anybody, but we hunted with, a, with his firearm and back in the day. I learned about firearm safety mostly in the Marine Corps. Um, obviously, that's the best place to learn it. 
And then when I was doing my health and wellness degree, one of the courses that I did, we had to create a, a public health campaign and a, and, a, and a course. And what I came up with, the idea was to teach a course on active shooter training or awareness program. I had mine initially based in the school setting and whatnot. Um, and when I did that, I, I did that because when I went to Healthy People 2020, which was the, the website that we were sent to to kind of pick a topic to focus our, our public health campaign on, I saw that Healthy People 2020, actually under their uh, violence pre prevention program, they have two topics that are focused on reducing deaths due to firearms and injuries due to firearms. And I got really excited because I realized I can blend my firearms passion, my Marine Corps um, background as far as safety and awareness, along with in a live active shooter type of program and put it all under the umbrella of public health and health and wellness. And, and that's where I came up with Betty Carey. Betty is actually the name of my Glock and I carry. So I came up with Betty Carey LLC. And underneath the Betty LLC, now I have the active shooter um, survival training and I do private firearms um, lessons. And I also have a couple courses that I'm certified to teach with the NRA. So what is kind of the, the relationship for, for those who are not in the know in the firearm world? How is that relationship uh, correspond between the public health and the alive active shooter training? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. I get really excited talking about this, so bear with me. I, a live active shooter survival training is about increasing your awareness and paying attention to what's around you. The five steps of alive are assess, leave, impede, violence, and expose. And alive is the acronym that has those five steps. When you focus on those five things, what happens is you get trained on how to best survive in an incident, in an incident like that. And then what happens is you have a better sense of wellness. You have peace of mind. Um, you know, when you're in a situation, you default to your highest level of training. If you're not trained on how to react, there's a like an impeding doom in your gut that you really don't know what you would do if that situation came around. And then you realize, gosh, did I even consider that situation coming around? You know, am I in my society, in my neighborhood, and I think I'm in such a good community that that won't happen here, you know? But it does happen. And then going back to public health, what happens when it does happen? It affects the people that are injured. It affects their family members. It affects the community. It affects the first responders. And not just for physical injuries. I mean, you have long-term trauma. You have PTSD. You have people going to mental health counseling. You have neighboring schools in different counties that are worried because that happened in the county next door to them. You know, so it's a whole, to me, it's a, it's, it's about paying attention and protecting yourself, being aware and getting trained on what to do if you find yourself in that situation. Yeah, a little bit on the awareness part, uh, before the show, you talked to me a lot about how people can go shopping, kind of pay attention only to their phones and not being situationally aware. Can you share with us a little bit more on what that first step looks like? Well, for me, I, I can share it on a couple of different levels. I can share it as a civilian that I was before I went to the Marine Corps. And then I can share it as far as when I was in the Marine Corps. And then I can share it as a, you know, a veteran. So I've had three different phases of my life now where awareness has been there, but the intensity has been different. So as a civilian, you know, young female, whatnot, you're paying attention. You generically look around, you know, you wear your seatbelt, you lock your doors at night. You know, you don't go out to your car in the dark. Those are very good basic steps to pay attention to, you know, but then you go into the military 
And, you know, the big phrase is security is paramount. Security is paramount. That's like a buzz phrase. Everybody knows that. And it just becomes second nature. And so you find yourself doing more than just locking your doors and not going out in the dark. You know, you find yourself moving in groups. You find yourselves being accountable. You know, accountability is everything. Do people know where you are? Do people know what to do if they don't hear from you? You know, are you being responsible and being proactive and figuring out, hey, these people might worry about me. And it's not about micromanaging somebody's movement. It's about being accountable, accountable for your personal safety and also the mental wellness of the people that care about you. Why put them through all that stress? Make them worry about where you are. Um, Coming out of the Marine Corps as a veteran, having an injury, you know, most veterans have, you know, disabilities. That's when I started to really carry for myself because my own personal sense of well-being was altered. And in, in a sense, it was brought back to reality because I think I really had an over-exaggerated perception of my own ability to protect myself physically, which was not healthy. Um, but with me caring, I feel like I've kind of evened it out a little bit, you know, but I train with my firearm and I'm also very aware of my body mechanisms, mechanics and what I'm doing. But as a, as a a veteran and with a disability, you know, all of those things I just mentioned come into play. But now one more thing is I pay attention to what am I physically able to do? So now I'm in a situation, there's an active shooter in the building or things happening. I'm doing the assess process. I'm figuring out, can I leave? I'm looking to see what can I do to impede, block myself in, create time and distance to keep that killer from getting to me. Um, Violence, if I decide to to react and really protect myself and then expose myself eventually, what's the reality that I can really do those things? If I have a back injury, if I have a bad hip, if I have heart disease, if I have um, diabetes and I missed my insulin shot, if, you know, all of these physical things come into mind and you have to pay attention to what you can actually physically do to protect yourself. And without knowing the steps of alive and without considering your own physical wellness and the surrounding environment that you're in, I mean, what are you going to do if you don't have any training? What are you going to do? You're probably going to freeze or you're going to resort to what you last learned, which was probably in eighth grade when they were doing you know, dive under your desk drills, you know? <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah, people don't think about the training. Um, you know, so so that's really the awareness when it comes in. You really have to look around. When you go into a restaurant, are you so excited to sit down and get that cocktail that you don't know where the emergency exits are? You don't know where the glass is in the front of the restaurant? Are you able to see the activity around you? You're not being paranoid doing that. You're You're not being obsessive controlling. You're being aware. And in today's world, unfortunately, that's the world we live in, and we have to prepare for it. Uh, well, you, you touch a little bit of your experience that make you question, okay, your ability to physically protect yourself. Would you mind kind of sharing us that experience that changed your thought process with that? Well, I will, and I'll, I'll relate it to the live process. So when I go, when I talk about um, assessing the situation, say there's shots going down, there's fire crack. A lot of people think gunfire is fireworks. It's not, <laughs> you know, or there's someone coming in the building with a knife. I'm assessing the situation. I'm thinking, how far away are they from me? How fast can they get to me? What can I do to stop them from getting to me? Um, you know, if if my back is altered and has mechanisms in it that are not of natural organic material like pins and screws and whatnot, 
I mean, is it realistic for me to think that I'm going to pick up a desk and slam it up against the door and wedge the door shut? Uh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. You know, I, I might be better using my command voice and getting all the other non-altered people to do that for me and then keeping us all safe. <laughs> you know, you have to look beyond what you can do. Um, the leave part, you know, if if I have to low crawl or bend over and hide to get out of a building to get out of sight, can I actually do that with, you know, the range of motion that I have? Can I actually do that? Or if I've had a knee replacement, can I really, is it realistic to think I'm going to crawl across the floor to get out of the way? Now, you know, survival of the fittest will tell you, yes, you will crawl very quickly. But those are things you need to think about before you get into that situation. You know, get into that situation into your head, make a plan for it. Um, Michael Julian, the creator of the Alive program, you know, he came up with it. He coined a term and he calls it proactive reactionary. And that whole concept is, is, is being proactive and making a plan on how you expect or want to be able to react if the situation occurs. Now, of course, no one's going to say it's going to happen exactly that way, but at least you've created a scenario for yourself. You've taken inventory of your abilities. You've taken inventory of your work environment or your places of social life that you like to go to. You figured all that out and you have some kind of an idea. It's about being prepared before the incident occurs. So how you, where is this training being given? Well, right now, the, the ideal situation is to give the, a live presentation. It's about a three-hour comprehensive course. Um, and there's a lot of video material in there. And it's very sobering. It's not a fun and games type of a brief. It's not, hey, we're going to log in, knock out this training. It's, um, it hits you in the gut. You know, and, and you look at the stuff in the training, you talk about the things that we're going to talk about. And it's you'll go home really thinking about what you learned. Um, ideally, you, you can schedule a brief with me and I can come in and give it to the companies if they need to do risk assessments or they have mandatory training for safety throughout the year. They can call me and schedule a presentation um, with COVID. Obviously, large gatherings are kind of limited. So on my website, BettyCarryLLC.com, I have three online training versions of the course. There's a, the three-hour comprehensive course, there's the one-hour accelerated course, and then there's a 20-minute, the five steps of a live. Um, none of the courses are pricey. I suspect that people would kind of resist the three-hour commitment more than they would the cost of the course. And if someone finds themselves having that dilemma, I would ask them, you know, what is the cost of your life? Is it is it dollars or is it time? You know, and you have to choose which one's more important. And do you want to invest that time into yourself to being prepared in a situation? So on my website, if you want to schedule a brief, even if it's for next year, get it on the calendar. We can do that. Or you can just click on the button and do it on your own time. It, it sounds like... Uh from the way you're describing it, it's more of a state of mind and that's not so much just being able to use a firearm but really being prepared without even having to use is that kind of a general good summary or understanding of, of your business it very much is um with the alive program it's having a security mindset and having a survivor mindset obviously security ideally you want to have that in place first but if something were to happen it's about having a survivor mindset and a lot of people don't think about having a survivor mindset. Why? Because they don't see themselves in that situation to begin with. So you, you can't 
put the cart before the horse. I mean, it'll roll, but it's not going to be real easy. You'll end up pushing it instead of getting it pulled. But, you know, security and then survivor mindset. Is there something that, uh, any other stories that, that you have with, that also change your perspective as to being a woman? And as you mentioned, in terms of your experience, uh, having some kind of injury that kind of changed the way you look at, well, I could easily defend myself. You know, I think honestly, when it at the very root of it all, I think in my, my me me my belief system is that it's our birth responsibility to take care of ourselves. You know, you can rely on your government, you can rely on your neighbors, you can have the buddy system, you can have all of those accountability measures in place. But at the end of the day, at the very core of each person, there has to be that desire to live. And to protect yourself, no matter what, you know, to decide for yourself, I'm here and I'm here for a reason, whether it be for me, whether it be for my family, whether it be because I have goals in life I haven't gotten to yet. But I'll tell you what, I will be darned if I'm going to let somebody come into my life on my time and take out their disgruntled issues with life and wanting to kill as many people in the shortest amount of time as possible, which is typically what active killers or shooters, that's their goal, you know, not today, buddy, you know, not me, I'm not the one, you know, and so you have to, you have to believe in yourself that, you know, you're here for a reason on this earth, and it's not to be target practice for someone else. So how does someone best find you, whether they want to be taught how to be more aware in their situation, being more defensive, or in your case, kind of look into a security mindset, and if they want to take a step further, having some additional training? Well, I have definitely my website is at www.bettycarryllc.com. And, and the, the homepage has all the information on your live program. And then there's a drop-down tab that you can go to if you want to set up times and schedules for um, private lessons for pistol shooting. Or if you want to ask more about the NRA basic pistol or inside the home personal defense. Um, that's all on the website. And there's a contact us page on there that you can send a message through and I'll respond to that. Um, I also have an email. It's LLC at gmail.com. And phone number is 470-366-3196. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. Thank you so much. Well, as a kind of a, a quick theme uh, with our guest today, it sounds like there's a lot of planning and identifying issues and really getting to the source or potential source of the problem before you have uninvited or unwanted guests either at home or someone outside. So as kind of a, a blank question to our two wonderful guests today is, has there been an experience uh, you've gone through where, you know what, this event happened, but we already had a plan for this, that this is just be uh, another day at another office, and it's a good thing, and this is exactly why that we show to our clients and delivering value of why we plan and mitigate certain things. Carolyn or, or Michelle, you can jump right in as to what experience that either you have personally or through working with your clients and your clients might have came back to you, oh, you guys were lifesavers. You, you said this is, would probably happen and this is exactly uh, what happened. You guys saved me. Oh, I think for me, I think I'm unmuted, right? Yeah. Um, I think you really don't know what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. We're not soothsayers. You know, we're not fortune tellers. We don't look into the future. Um, I think peace of mind comes in the preparedness and the contingency plan. 
And in that peace of mind is where you live life. And Michelle? Yeah, I think, um, again, when you're doing a specific service like pest control, I think the, um, you know, the, the, the training you have up front prepares us for um, going out there and encountering different issues. Um, you're not, you're not going to uh, know every issue you get yourself into. Um, there's certainly, um, you know, experience will, will uh, help you down the road because if you're a brand new pest control technician, you probably haven't seen so much. If you've been in the business for 30 years doing this, um, when you walk into a house and that is infested with German roaches and they start dropping off the ceiling on top of you as you walk in, um, you will be more likely to know how to handle that situation. So, you know, training, ongoing training, um, experience is all going to set us up to be able to help our customers um, and be able to uh, kind of predict how, you know, certain insects act or how to prevent, you know, whether it be mosquitoes or termites, things like that. So um, I think I think those kinds of things are are important uh, part of what what we do in our business. Well, thank you, Michelle and Caroline. We've learned a lot about uh, whether to, how to expect, treat, and uh, keep pests away, whether it's indoors or, or outdoors or insect variety or, unfortunately, sometimes human variety. Well, as for today's show, I am your host, Anthony Chen. Uh, this show is sponsored and brought to you by yours truly with Lighthouse Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, RAA, member FINRA SIPC. RAA is separately owned and other entities or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of RAA. Our main office address is at 575 Broad Hollow Road in Melville, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at 631-465-9090 at extension 5075. Or just my email at Anthony Chen, which is my full name spelled out, last name spelled C H E N at LFNLLC.com. And until next time, thank you for listening to Family Business Radio. <laughs>